The following program is a production of the Barroom Network. It is intended for all audiences. Doug Buffoon. This defense sucks. This is moronic. John Buffoon. If your best run plays are coming off end arounds, there's a problem. Doug was behind the microphone first. He never held back. Very difficult to score when your offense is on the bench. When your defense is out there giving up 70, 80, 70, 64-yard drives. Now, it's his nephew, John, and there's no holding this buffoon back either. The biggest thing that affected Justin Fields was a coaching change, and now he has an offensive coordinator, and he actually will fit a scheme to the quarterback, something we have not seen in a long time. I've had it! I have had it! I want somebody to get kicked in the ass! When I see Twitter polls and national media and fans weighing in on who is going to have the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft, and I see people commenting, Chicago, and it's not even close, then yeah, you know what? I'm going to get a little defensive. I got my ass whipped many times, but I tell you, I took somebody down with me. I don't think the Bears are a two to three win team. So to answer your question, no. The Bears aren't going to be the worst team in the NFL. It's Buffon 55, the John Buffon Show. Oh boy, that intro is making me look dumber and dumber by the day. Hello and welcome everybody to Buffon 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down those Chicago Bears. I'm John Buffon and with me as always is my trusty producer and co-host Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa, the Bears didn't get embarrassed, but ultimately they continue their skid and have lost seven straight. How, how, how you doing? I'm doing good. I feel like we've gotten to this nice groove where we just know what to expect and uh, how to talk about it. And kind of, we've been looking forward to the 2023 offseason for what, like three months now. So, I mean, it's another week, another loss. But hey, it was nice to see them give the Eagles a Super Bowl contender a scare for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was an interesting game. I mean, it was ebbs and flows, and they, it felt like they were in it until the very end. And, you know, the, the Bears have, uh, for the most part, uh, there's with some exceptions, have not been completely blown out of most games this year, which keeps it, it keeps, you know, so they just, you know, they dangle that carrot out in front of you just long enough for them to, you know, lose. <laughs> and, the, and then, uh, and then you can get all pissed off afterwards. But, you know, they got, they got, they got to get another crack at it this week. Let's look ahead to this weekend. If, as tough as it may be, the Bears and Bears fans get to huddle around the fireplace on Christmas Eve day and watch them play Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And something tells me that the eggnog will be pouring quite early in the Chicago area. But before we get into that, in case, just in case, this is your first time listening or watching Buffone 55, Alyssa, tell them how this show works. And hopefully there are no more sirens going around your head, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sorry. If you hear like background stuff, there's this thing in my neighborhood right now where like the Grinch is going around and timed it perfectly for this show, oh, by the way, perfect. like right is, as we're is, doing the intro. Cool. <laughs> but I think right he's there. really, I'm like, Hey, happy holidays guys. That there's the Grinch. Okay. Point right there. Perfect. <laughs> It's really, it's spitting in the spirit of the show and of the holiday season. So 
As always, Buffone 55 has three segments, and we usually begin with our guest. And this week, we'll be talking to Chris Kepner, who is a contributor for Cover One, which is a great source for Buffalo Bills information. That's followed by our B55 segment. That's when I ask John five questions, and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffone, his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. We then finish things up with a free-for-all that we call Buffone's Basement, where Aldo Gandia joins John and me, and the three of us try to avoid any Scrooge-like talk about the Bears. On a spoiler alert, I don't know if that's going to happen. John, <laughs> take it away. Thank you, Alyssa. Like you said, our guest tonight is Chris Kapner, contributor over at CoverOne.net. Chris, welcome to Buffone 55. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm really excited about this Christmas Eve matchup. I love the festive background you guys have. I love the Grinch sirens going off. This is all really, really exciting. Yeah, it's it's all just on point for what we're trying to do here. But we do we we do do appreciate you being on. We want to learn more about this Buffalo Bills team because it's a team that I think the Bears are striving to become at some point. So let's just start with the Bills overall. Let's talk. Let's take a holistic approach. It's no doubt that it's probably Super Bowl or bust for the Bills, and they'll they'll likely have to go through the Chiefs to get there. But in your opinion, what obstacles are standing in the way of the Bills and a trip to the Super Bowl right now? Uh, consistency, for sure, um, but injuries probably even more so. The, the Bills have been hit by a number of key injuries this season. Uh, we lost Micah Hyde in week two. You saw Von Miller go down a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, uh, Jordan Poyer has missed time with injury. Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano have both missed a game here and there. Um, despite all of that, the Bills defense has somehow managed to be a top five defense uh, throughout the entire season so far. So as long as they can uh, stay consistent and they can stop these key injuries from happening, um, you know, then I think they've got a pretty good shot. And we're going to get to this week's matchup. And when we're talking about the Bills offense, we have to start with Josh Allen. And I'm curious what your evaluation of how Allen has played this season. And should he be in the conversation for league MVP? Also, are there any lingering concerns with that right elbow injury? Uh, well, he's been playing uh, pretty well despite the injury. Um, I don't think there are any lingering concerns there. Um, certainly there's a, a little bit of a, a, a nagging concern among the fan base. Anytime you see your franchise quarterbacks, a an injury, but, uh, from all, from all indications, um, him playing through the injury has not been, uh, a risk, uh, of, you know, making it worse or, uh, affecting him in the long term. So, um, that's been certainly a positive as for his play. I mean, it, it, he did take a dip, obviously dealing with the injury, um, and there have been some struggles on the offensive line too. So he's, he's had some trouble with uh, with protection, uh, and also with just uh, getting new weapons up to speed. Uh, I mean, we drafted Khalil Shakir this year. Uh, there were there were hopes that he would come in and and be maybe the answer at that slot receiver position. Um, you saw Cole Beasley depart in the offseason, and he's back now, which is a source of a lot of optimism among uh, the Bills fan base. Um, Jamison Crowder was a was a key offseason acquisition. He went down with injury um, early on in uh, in camp, and we haven't really seen him um, much. Um, but you know, aside from Stephon Diggs, um, you've seen Gabriel Davis have some consistency issues, uh, but he's still he's a, he's a solid player. 
but they do, you know, they do want someone else to step up and be a reliable third weapon in that offense. And, and speaking about the, the matchup coming up this weekend, I know that the Bills are probably trying to protect Josh Allen as much as possible before they go into the playoffs. But with a crazy weather forecast in the future coming up this weekend, could we expect a big dose of the running game with Devin Singletary and James Cook? Or could we see a lot of design runs for Josh Allen as well? Because we know that he has the ability to run just as much as Justin Fields does. Uh, yeah, it's. I've I've sort of given up trying to predict what they're going to do with the running game because it's been you know up and down all season. I mean, you saw well you know in the, in the few weeks after he sustained that UCL injury in his elbow, um, you saw more of an emphasis paid um, to the running game, and there were definitely some improvements. Uh, they were over that span. Actually, they were a top five rushing um, offense in uh, in the league, and they're the only team um, in the NFL this year that has. Uh, over 100 rushing yards in every game. Now, a lot of that is Josh Allen um, and the design runs and some scrambling, of course. Uh, for this week, I would imagine that they will probably keep the designed uh, QB runs on the shelf uh, and unless they really need it. You know, uh, they'll, they'll probably try to keep it uh, throwing the ball and handing it off to you know, his running backs and you know, trying to protect him, like you said, as we head towards uh, the stretch run here. And speaking of the passing game, um, Bears cornerback Jalen Johnson had quite the battle with Eagles receiver A.J. Brown last week, and now Johnson's going to face another huge test going up against Stephon Diggs. So I'm curious, what makes Diggs so hard to defend? And can you also give us a rundown of the rest of the receiving core? Stephon Diggs is a, a clinic clinician in route running. I mean, he, can, he is so good at creating space and creating space quickly. Um, he will make you look silly honestly if you <laughs> if you're not ready and it's tough to be ready for a guy like that but um you know teams really it's tough to single cover stefan diggs you really need to scheme um scheme him in double coverage and force the bills to beat you with one of their other weapons um so i don't envy i don't envy him that task um but you know if they can if they can roll a safety over the top and and keep Diggs bracketed throughout the game. Um, he might still beat you. It's possible, but you know, at least you are forcing the Bills to get you know, a Dawson Knox or Gabriel Davis to, uh, you know, to get involved and and have one of those games that you know they're contributing in a more meaningful way to the offense. You talked about Dawson Knox, and I, Knox, and I kind of wanted to touch on that just a little bit. He's coming off of a game in which he had a season-high 98 receiving yards on six catches. Uh, and this was a guy that had, at least from what I understand, had some high hopes this year. Uh, I believe got rewarded with a new contract from Buffalo. What uh, what can he possibly bring to the table this weekend? Is he is he on the ascending, or is he kind of just uh, is he just kind of not really sure, inconsistent? So the thing about Knox is uh, he's been used a lot as a run blocker this year. Um, and I think that and more than anything else, that has uh, hindered you know his st statistical progression. Um, so I don't know that it's really uh, a, you know like a talent or um, I don't think it's on him as a player so much as just how they're using him. Um, you've seen them start to get to, to pay more attention to getting him involved out in the flat. Um, he's become more of a of an of a checkdown route, one like a like a pressure release, pressure valve release route um, for for Josh. So he, it's definitely. I mean, like you said last week, 
was his best statistical game, but he's been contributing in other ways that maybe don't go uh, as noticed on the stat sheet. And the Bears pass rush has struggled getting pressure on quarterbacks this season. And you touched on a little bit of the offensive line struggles to keep uh, Josh Allen upright. And I'm curious, what specific weaknesses along this offensive line are most noticeable that maybe Chicago can attack? Uh, Well, first of all, you're going to need to get pressure with four. Uh, It's a tough, I know it's a tough task, um, but yeah, if you, if you start to blitz Josh Allen, he'll pick you apart. Um, that said, there are opportunities in the Bills' offensive line right now. Mitch Morris went down with an injury last week. It doesn't look like he's going to play. Um, he is a top 10 center in the league. Um, so losing him is a it, it's a significant loss. Uh, the interior O-line was already a little bit suspect. Um, Ryan Bates has been banged up. Um, so you've got your right guard, um, your starting right guard, who's who's hurt as well. Um, Spencer Brown is a second-year guy who's got a, a ton of athletic talent. Um, he has struggled a little bit with balance issues. Um, you know, guys coming off the edge have been able to put him off balance, and and uh, that's been a, a way to beat him. So, you know, uh, up the middle is probably going to be the best way to attack that O-line. Um but again, like if 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 you can't get pressure with four, it's going to be a long game, I think. Unfortunately. Yeah, well, we're kind of used to that. That's that, <laughs> that, that's okay. Uh, let let's switch sides of the ball now. The Bears' passing offense has been a work in progress all season. Uh, Justin Fields doesn't have much to work with. Didn't have much to work with last week, of course. Uh, but it sounds like Chase Claypool and Nikhil Harry could return this week uh are there any weaknesses in this bill's secondary that justin fields could potentially take advantage of um the bill's secondary i mean i guess i'd say demar hamlin although you know he's probably taken more flack from the bill's fan base than is maybe deserved he's he's had a couple of really noticeable missed tackles um but he's been good in coverage um, and overall, I think he's he's been a great player filling in for Micah Hyde at the safety position. Um, he is a second year guy. These are his first, you know, meaningful uh, starting games. So he uh, but he's somebody that if you're going to attack, you know, somewhere in, in that secondary, it's, it would be either him or see uh, whoever is playing cornerback to uh, you're going to have Trey White on one side of the field. The last two games, he's played 100 percent of snaps. So he's, he's fully back. In that sense, uh, he's maybe not fully back to you know his all-pro level of play yet, but um, he is you know it, it, you don't really want to target him. Uh, but whoever's whoever is on the other side, whether it's Kyir Elam or Dane Jackson, uh, you know that would be another place to try to to try to go. And let's be honest, the Bears are going to most likely run the ball most of this game. And I mean, why not when you have the best run game in the NFL? And Justin Fields has been a huge part of that. Uh, There also looks like the Bears are also getting back Khalil Herbert to go along with David Montgomery. Do you can we expect Chicago's run success to continue against this Bills defense? And I'm curious, how has Buffalo fared against mobile quarterbacks like Justin Fields this season? So uh, the Bills running, uh, the Bills rushing defense had been really solid going into last week. Uh, they shut down Derrick Henry. They shut down Nick Chubb. Aside from one um, explosive play, they shut down Dalvin Cook. Um, Raheem Mostert did a number on, on them last week. And I, most of that came from um, just a, 
a poor tackling game from the Bills. Uh, part of that is the scheme that puts them in a position where, you know, they they really have to move and and get in position to make tackles. Um, so there can be a little bit of more variance maybe than than with other defensive schemes. But um, it was a problem last week. I would expect it to revert to the mean, which has been a, a really solid rushing uh, defense. So that is a, an interesting matchup, the, the Bears run, run, rushing offense against the, Bear, the Bills defense. Um, and as for mobile quarterbacks, uh, the, the Bills did a pretty good job against Lamar Jackson. Um, so, you know, that's not to say that it's so it's a small sample size. Justin Fields has certainly had a, an amazing year um, rushing the ball. Um, you know, it was cool to see him, you know, tie that record for most consecutive games with a rushing touchdown. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, it's good to see him starting to get those superlatives, right? Those, those records, uh, it, it, you know, we've been seeing that with Josh Allen over the past few years. And that's uh, always exciting. I don't know if, if you've seen this um, going around, but if Josh Allen gets 29 passing yards on Saturday, um, he'll become the fastest QB ever to get to 18,000 passing yards and 3,000 rushing yards. Uh, there's only 11 QBs that have ever hit those numbers, by the way. Um, freaking nature. Absolute freaking nature playing quarterback. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, it's just so fun to watch him play. Uh, staying in that in the, that same vein we were talking about with the the um, the Bills pass, or excuse me, the run defense, I do want to go to a uh, listener question. I'm going to start with Jordan. And uh, basically, how do you feel about the How do you think the defense will handle Justin Fields' design run? Now, we talked about that already, but let's talk about the health issues on the D-line. Uh, they've got an elbow for uh, Epinesa uh, and then uh, a couple other guys nicked up there what's the current uh current status of the health wise for the defensive line uh well you're missing von miller that's probably the biggest that's that that's a big headline there um epinesa i'm not sure yet what's gonna whether he's gonna play but uh you the, the bills are deep on the d line and they've got um i don't know how familiar you guys are with gregory rousseau he's a second year guy out of the university of miami but uh, this is a guy whose ceiling just seems, you know, sky high. Um, in his rookie season, he had um, he had the most uh, defensive snap stops per snap of any rookie since 2006. The next three guys were Nick Bosa, Khalil Mack, and Von Miller, and Rousseau was like 40 percent ahead of the second place guy. So, just to give you an idea of like where where he might end up as he as he moves along in his career uh but he's healthy and he's done what he's done in this season is to add the pass rush piece he was a, a really amazing run stopper last year he was like top five run stopper in the league as a rookie um and now he's getting sacks and um he's just really been, been a force on the end of that line so You've got Ed Oliver, who's also just a beast in the middle of the line. Um, so, I mean, I'm, you know, despite the injuries, I think I said earlier that the Bills defense has done an amazing job. And Leslie Frazier, who honestly, I was shocked that the Bears didn't hire him um, the last the last go around. Um, I thought he was going to be your new head coach uh, just with the, the pedigree there, having played on that 85 Bears defense. Um, but he's just done a tremendous job of coaching these guys and keeping them consistent despite all of the injuries. 
Uh, before I ask you about the pass rush, I do want to go to another listener question from Cliff Victoria. It says, Chris, do you see similarities in the way Josh Allen started poorly and developed and, and the way that Justin Fields is currently? Because that, that seems to be like the great parallel that everyone likes to bring up is like, look what happened with Josh Allen his first couple of years. They were calling him a bus. His completion yeah. percentage was bad. And then look what happened when they go out and they get Stephon Diggs. So what, did, what can you tell us about that trajectory and – what Bears fans can hold on to thinking that it could potentially happen with Justin Fields, which I'm holding out hope that can, that could still happen. So convince me there, just, uh, I would say humor us a little bit <laughs> in that aspect. No, look, I mean, uh, there's certainly some wish projection. I mean, every, every team I feel like has, you know, we saw that with Tua, um, they were making comparisons between him and Josh Allen and uh, Josh Allen is kind of that, like that unicorn, right. That had those, those first two years that were kind of underwhelming. And then this, enormous jump in his third year um i I, i've seen some great stuff from justin fields um he's certainly an an amazing athlete and he can run the ball as good as anyone else in the league um he you know i think when you've got uh, a little further into this rebuild and you've got those receivers kind of solidified um and the offensive line and he's got some more uh uh development in terms of his his passing acumen um there's a ton of potential there and i would think i would say you know even if there is a bit of a regression like stick with this guy he's shown enough so far that i i, I would think i mean what do you guys think at least through his rookie contract right oh my god I, i'm I, i've been sold on the kid forever uh yeah. and, and i think that um after we see some of these ridiculous plays that, that a lot of the a lot of the fan bases who may have been a little bit concerned i think we've that, that he's changed a lot of minds and just his demeanor the way he handles himself i think that yeah. the, the the bears got their guy and now it's just building it around him so we'll, we'll see if they can do the same thing that buffalo did try to get put some things around him to see if they can take that next step which i hope so you're talking about two teams that know what quarterback purgatory is like yeah yeah <laughs> which which brings me to a, a great segue to my next question because they've had a hard time keeping the kid upright uh so uh yeah. they have they have struggled with pass protection what can you tell us about this Buffalo pass rush and is Justin Fields going to be uh, having to create some plays to get out of the pocket this week yeah I mean I talked a little bit about Greg Rousseau Ed Oliver coming up the middle um, Daquan Jones I mean you know you wouldn't think it to to look at the guy in his stat sheet but he is great at collapsing the pocket uh, between him and Ed Oliver that they can create a lot of uh, pass rush up the middle then you have to worry about Groot coming around the outside, um, and you know whether whether it's Epinesa or Boogie Basham on the other side. Um, Shaq Lawson has been playing really well on the end for the Bills too. I mean, they they rotate a lot of guys through. I'm sure you guys know Tim Settle is another guy on the on the D line. Jordan Phillips has been is is hurt, so uh, unfortunately we won't see him in this game. But uh, it could be a problem and. Uh, one of the things I've noticed from watching Justin Fields is when the play, when the pocket starts to collapse and I feel like he could maybe be a little bit more decisive in terms of just picking a direction, and getting the hell out of there. I mean, I've seen him kind of, you know, go decide, think he's going to go one way and then maybe second guess. And then he gets into a little bit of trouble and that's when he's ends up on the ground, but he's got the, he's got the legs to, you know, in addition to running, um, to, move the and get to a better position to throw the ball um and i think he has been he's been making plays like that he's looked a little bit like jalen hurts and dare i say patrick mahomes at times 
Oh, easy now. <laughs> Don't get us too excited here. Those are some big, those are some got, big names. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a projection, but you know, you I'll can see, it. you can see where it can give it to us. There. Yep. Yeah. We will take that. I mean, John and I have never had a franchise quarterback <laughs> in my lifetime. Never. Just, Never, never, never. So we will take that for sure. Um, and I want to kind of kick it over to special teams because uh, we always get a kick out of talking about it, especially with the Bears have had, you know, never special teams blunders. Um, so I'm curious, are there any Bills uh, players on special teams that we we should be looking out for on Saturday, whether it's a kicker, a gunner, or a return man? Oh, man. I can certainly talk to you about the Bills special teams. They've got one of the best units in the league. And uh, I think a good uh, hallmark of a, of a solid um, front office and coaching staff is the ability to bring in guys who, who are solid contributors on special teams. I mean, Tyler Bass, he should be an all pro kicker. Um, you know, Bass pro Bass money, T Bass, uh, Bassomatic. He's got more <laughs> nicknames than missed kicks. Like he's, he's great. And um, beyond just getting points, uh, the Bills will very often have him kick the ball high in the air on kickoffs and have it, you know, drop right around the five yard line. So you have to return it. And they're great at getting teams to start with, uh, with, you know, negative uh, uh, field position. Um, and, you know, we've got a good punter in Sam Martin, who again is good at pinning the ball inside the 20, making it a longer field. Um, we have an elite gunner in Saran Neal. Watch out for number 33. Um, he has at times had uh, teams put three blockers on him to try to keep him from blowing up their returner. Um, and then the biggest question mark going into this season for the Bills was their return specialist. And they seem to have solved that by bringing in Naheem Hines at the trade deadline. Um, Hines has had, he's averaging over 10 yards, a punt return with a long of 28, no fumbles. I mean, you can't really ask for much more. He had a couple of TDs uh, with the Colts. And you can see that he could break one at any time. I mean, he doesn't waste time going um, side to side. He gets north and south quick, and he will take whatever's there. All right, but hey, Chris, before we get you out of here, I know right now I think the spread is right around 9.5, I think, on this game. I'm not going to ask you who do you think is going to win because then I know who you think is going to win this game. But <laughs> do the Bills cover that 9.5 point spread against Chicago? Who does play? Uh, does play teams hard? Yeah, they, I mean, they looked pretty good. I mean, against the Eagles without their top three receivers last week, uh, I don't know. I mean, the Bills have not really done a great job of covering the spread so far this year. So I think there's certainly a chance that, uh, you know, it, it could be a one-score game. Um, who knows? The the weather might play a role here, uh, you know, keeping the scoring low. You never know. It's tough to tough to say. <laughs> so you're saying take the under. I like it. <laughs> hey, Chris, before we kick you out of here, continue to, uh, to at least tell our listeners and viewers where they can catch your work and connect with you on social media because the obviously the Bills season is going to go a lot longer than the Bears season, so we can keep up with all, all that Bills information. So uh, how can people interact? Uh, so right after this, I'm going to be producing the, the Cover One Buffalo podcast hosted by Greg Thompson and Aaron Quinn. They're going to be breaking down this Bills-Bears matchup more. They're actually having um, Aaron's brother, uh, Brian, who's a Bears podcaster, come on the show this week. Uh, and then Aaron and I are going to host a Twitter Spaces on Friday morning at 9.30. Um, it's a casual roundtable. We'll let anyone in to ask a question or give a take. And we'd love to see some Chicago fans. So uh, follow Aaron Quinn, 716. We'd love to see you there. 
Uh, we'll have the post game show after the game. Um, and actually, I'll be hosting, uh, co hosting that this week because Greg Thompson is uh, taking some well deserved family time. Um, and then beyond that, um, I know that, you know, aside from this week, the, your audience probably isn't super interested in Buffalo content. Um, we did just launch a brand new Cover One fantasy football and gambling channel. Um, so even if you're out of the fantasy football playoffs at this point, um, you've got we've got some absolute wizards in there uh, giving you against the spread picks, player props. It's really great. And check it out. Cover One fantasy football and gambling channel on YouTube. Prop bets are all I have left in this world right now. So <laughs> I, I definitely got to tune into that. You can see, see, see who's going to score a touchdown or who's going to go over their passing yards. I, I, I need it. Feed it to me. So, yeah. hey, hey, Chris, we really appreciate you being on. Once again, Chris Kepner, contributor for Cover One, uh, great source for Buffalo Bills information, a lot of other stuff going on uh, as well. Hey, uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Like I always tell people, uh, we'll talk to you when the Bears and Bills meet in the Super Bowl. How's that sound? Uh, sounds great. Merry Christmas, guys. <laughs> go Bills. Hey, same to you. Well, other than the gold bills, but I'll let it go. Hey, hey, we appreciate you and uh, have a great holiday. We'll be back with more Buffone 55 right after this. Welcome back to Buffone 55. Now it's time for our B55 segment. That's when I ask John five questions and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's tribute to the great Doug Buffone, his uncle who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. So John, you ready to roll? Yeah, I'm in the holiday spirit. Let's do it. Let's see if we can <laughs> remain this weird streak of positivity that we have going on. Let's see. Let's see if it sticks around. Yeah, don't be getting all Grinch on me, okay? Don't be we'll, getting your screws. No promises. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay, John. So the Bears had some chances to pull the upset against the Eagles, but they just couldn't make the plays to get it done. Did the fact that they were so close make this a tough loss for you? Or did you stick to your philosophy of just letting the 2022 season play out? 55 seconds are on the clock. So surprisingly, I was pretty calm, cool, and collected during that game. Sure, I was excited that they had a chance to pull the upset, and I was let down that they were lost. But I said on the show last week, I wanted to see Justin Fields play well, which he did. He had a 119.5 QB rating, which was the highest pass rating allowed by the Eagles all season. And Fields also had his top three, possibly four wide receivers out. So I'll take that in addition to all the ridiculous running plays. Uh, I also... Wanted to see the Bears stay healthy, which obviously did not happen. Tevin Jenkins left on a stretcher, but Coach Iberflus, uh said that his prognosis is pretty good. Jack Sanborn, who was one of the few defensive players I was still interested in watching, is on IR. And apparently, Cody Whitehair suffered uh, a fairly significant knee injury of some sort, according to a report. So the last thing you want as a bad team uh, is, is injuries that can make a bad season worse or slow down a productive offseason. But overall, I was kind of chill. 
Yeah, I mean, that was nice. I went into that game expecting the Bears to get the doors blown off them because I watched the Eagles put 40-plus on the Giants the week before, and I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> here right, we go. Yeah. But, I mean, it was nice because, like, going into that, not really expecting anything and watching the effort. And, I mean, I like, coming out of that game, the one thing that I really felt was that Matt Eberflus is the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like, look at how he has this team, that there are so many deficiencies on this roster. He has his guys ready to play not only this week, but every week. Most of their losses have been one score. And to, to come out against a top offense and a top defense, a Super Bowl contender, and to play like that and to scare them for four quarters was very impressive. And like you mentioned, Justin Fields, you know, getting to see him, I mean, it kind of feels like he plays better against some of these better teams in a way, like, you know, thinking back against like the Dallas game, the Miami and, you know, the Vikings. I mean, there are some games where he just kind of, you know, steps it up and, to see him do that without his top three, and then he mm-hmm. lost uh, EQ there, uh, receivers, and that offensive line just <laughs> was going to get him killed. I was mm-hmm. so terrified. Like you said, the injuries, was that was the one thing. And, man, the loss of Sam Warren, Tevin Jenkins going down. I mean, that white hair. I mean, this who's, who's going to be out there on the offensive line? It's going to be – I think we're going to see Fields running for his life or just, well, you know, running and entertaining us on Christmas Eve for sure. Yeah, and I also said last week, I want to see how he responds to being a very heavy underdog to a Super Bowl contender, and he was obviously up to the challenge. He he made as many plays as he possibly could. Uh, the team is just, there's there was, like I said before, every week almost, you're going to be at a disadvantage in talent. And so uh, they they played as hard as they could. Uh, they almost had it, but it there were encouraging parts of that game. I wish they could have stayed a little healthier, uh, but that, that it's, that's football. It's a, it's a war of attrition. And while they did lose this game, they technically won when it comes to draft order looking ahead to 2023. Because yeah. after Sunday's slate of games, including that Bears loss, they are now sitting at the number two overall pick in the 2023 draft. So if things play out and the Bears hold firm at that number two pick, how big is that for this organization and how excited should fans be? You got 55 seconds. Okay, so even though I might have been wrong about the Bears record this year, I think the number two spot is an incredible position for them. Listen, they don't need to draft the quarterback, and we see plenty of mock drafts that have the Bears taking Will Anderson out of Alabama or Jalen Carter out of Georgia, both are defensive studs. However, that number two spot will be coveted by a lot of teams. We can see Houston taking Bryce one, uh, Bryce Young with the number one overall pick. But if you're a quarterback needy team, you want to be at that number two position if you love Will Levis or if you love C.J. Stroud. And the only way to guarantee that you get that player is to trade up to number two where the Bears currently stand. So what are you willing to give up? A first-round pick next year, a second this year with multiple picks? If you're Chicago, you could trade back to, let's say, Detroit at five or Indianapolis at six or even Atlanta at seven, pick up some big-time draft capital and still draft a top 10 talent that could fill a hole on day one. I'm so, I mean, I I don't want to wish away the rest of the season, these last three games, but I'm so excited for the 2023 offseason because I feel like we don't really know what Brian Poles is going to do here. There's so many different options that he can because it's a win-win either way. You can, you know, hold firm at that number two pick and go out and get, you know, generational defensive talent in Anderson or Carter, or like you said, you can trade back with a quarterback needy team and acquire additional draft capital, which really sounds like Ryan Poles. So, I mean, We'll see because, you know, looking at the Bears defense, that defensive line, they need some help. So, I mean, I could definitely see them holding firm and going with one of those guys. I don't know. We'll see how much, you know, Matt Eberflus has to say because I feel like maybe, you know, he's really pushing for Jalen Carter. I don't know. We'll see. But 
I mean, it's exciting. It's kind of, it's weird to have three wins through 14 weeks and <laughs> to, I don't know, like be excited about the future, which is a very new feeling for us here, especially Justin Fields has a lot to do with that. And so does the fact that it looks like they're a lock for at least the top three pick at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, as you just wonder what the treasure trove of picks could be. And it just seems to be Ryan Pohl's MO is to just, you know, bogart all these picks and see if you can fill multiple holes with multiple picks and especially if you get uh you know multiple second rounders or multiple first rounders uh and to your point it's just it's it's interesting to uh it's a it's just a big unknown right now with the offseason it's it's scary but it's also exciting so it's 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 something to it's something to just look ahead to but you there's just a little bit of that nervous energy for sure. Ryan Pulse, don't mess it up, please. Okay. Yes. <laughs> please don't. Like this optimism, it's newfound for us. We're enjoying it. We want to carry this over and make 2023 a whole new year. So please help us out here. <laughs> Yeah, please. That would, that would make my that would make my 2023 get off to a hot start. I, I'm good. I'm good with that. That would be amazing. So we're going to talk about something we don't really talk about a lot in here, special teams. Um, and usually it's not good when we do. Um, but there are some kicking woes uh, that continued for Cairo Santos on Sunday. Santos missed his fifth extra point of the season. And the Bears opted not to kick a 48-yard field goal after uh, when Santos was caught on camera testing the wind and telling a coach that they shouldn't kick it. You know, Santos has shown that he can be a reliable kicker, but is there cause for concern moving forward? 55 seconds, go. Well, I, not being a professional kicker, am assuming that the kicking game is very much psychological in addition to physical. Uh, but we've seen Cairo Santos kick well at Soldier Field, so we know he's physically capable. Uh, and five missed extra points may not mean much for a 3-11 and football team, but it could mean a lot if the Bears are potentially playoff contenders next year. Uh, and listen, I know the aesthetics weren't good when the camera saw him throwing the grass up in the air and shaking his head no as if to say he doesn't think they should kick it, but I don't know how common that is he just happened to get caught on camera maybe a lot of kickers are forthright about the conditions being too bad but if santos does have a glitch in his kick they can get out from underneath his contract pretty easily he only carries a one and a half million dollar dead cap hit next year so if they do want to move on go ahead and add that to the shopping list for ryan poles offensive line defensive line linebacker wide wide receiver what the hell's a kicker at this point Oh no! I think I think I think Alyssa froze up there. That's not good. And then Aldo jumps in and he's muted. So I'm just I'm flying solo here, man. I'm just I'm just just hanging out. Anybody? I'm just yelling into the wind. Somebody come save me, Aldo. You there? I am here. I think she's rebooting her computer and should be back any second. Um, listen, uh, while you, while you there, she is. She's back. <laughs> internet guys what's going on it's coming the internet spazzing out i mean my goodness I, you know i'm Cairo santos missing another extra point like there was a glitch in your <laughs> kick there you got you got you got booted yeah oh man okay so we're talking Cairo santos i missed the rest of that but no i i definitely agree with what you're saying it does seem like a psychological thing with him and i guess that it's i mean not that it's good to be missing kicks and leaving points on the field but i mean at least it's encouraging that it's extra points and not field goals 
um, at this yes, point. Yeah. But I mean, it's taken so long for the Bears to find <laughs> a kicker after the whole Robbie Gold situation. So I don't know. I'm like terrified to like, I don't know, like what if nothing else is out there and we had to go through this whole thing again? I mean, I don't think it would be like that. Matt Nagy's not in the building anymore. We're good. But I mean, yeah, the thing with Santos is kind of like, what's going on? And I do think obviously there's a psychological element to it. So I mean, hopefully, you know, <laughs> at least it's happening this season, right? right? When the Bears aren't contending for anything. Get it out of your system now, Cairo, and then let's move forward to 2023. Alyssa, do you remember when we were doing this show in 2018 and into 2019, we thought that the only thing the Bears needed to upgrade was kicker <laughs> after the yeah. after the double doink game thing, and they got everything. Everything's covered. Just add a kicker. And they're like, oh, if they could go, like, uh, I think it's when the, maybe the Patriots released Steven Goskowski. They're like, oh, there's the answer. They're going to the Super Bowl now. And now, and then after that, the, the, you know, the season fell apart and then they bring in this traveling circus of kickers and they have like 25 guys trying out. Is it, is it Chris Blewett? Is it Eddie Pinheiro? Who is it? Who's going to be in there? Uh, Connor Barth was Elliot Fry. Remember Fry. it was down to Pinheiro and Fry. At yes. Camp. Yeah. So it was like, man. <laughs> It was. It, 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 I don't want to go back to that, uh, but also I don't think that this that is exactly how this new regime would handle that either. Like, hey, let, let's bust in fifty five kickers and see if see if we can find one that can do it. So, uh, it, 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 it is a concern, but in the grand scheme of concerns right now, is it what like seventh on the list as far as what they really need to address? So, uh, if it comes down to only needing a kicker, I'll take that because that means they're a really good team that needs a needs a clutch kicker to put them over the edge i don't know if a clutch kicker is going to make them uh going to make them a playoff team as they are as they stand right now so like i said add it to the list because whenever you're you got all this money that you're going to be spending the off season it's like well what the hell is a kicker just throw it on the list see if they can go get one <laughs> they got the money to do it too yeah. i mean like hey if you want to go for it and man i miss those days when like all we thought it was just the kicker but i mean i, I mean i'm really glad we have justin fields like that's that was the biggest concern sure. and has been for our entire uh Lives, lives being bears fans so. yeah and yeah. <laughs> beyond yeah um i mean like it, it's gonna be interesting uh, to see how he handles it you know ryan pulse because i mean he's shown that he has no problems going in there and just kind of tearing the roster down and mm. he's not really tied to anyone at this point aside from you know his draft class and who he's brought in so i mean we'll see i mean yeah. it's interesting i think i don't now I'm thinking about, it. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's on the outskirts. Maybe it's something worth monitoring, you know? Yeah. Knows? I don't think he has any, I don't, I feel like he doesn't have any loyalty to Cairo Santos. And so no. if he, if he wants, if he feels like he needs to move on, then go for it. And someone that Pulse does have loyalty to, but maybe could move on from is third round rookie Valus Jones, who had another rough uh, game on Sunday uh, on a little gadget play. Jones fumbled the ball near the sidelines and the Eagles recovered. Jones was drafted to be the speedy gadget player that could provide a spark in the return game as well. But with his fumbling issues and difficulty fielding punts, is it okay to label him as a bust already? You know the drill, 55 seconds. I don't think it's too early to say that simply because what we thought he was going to specialize in is actually a weakness. Uh, he was billed as a home run hitter that could take gadget plays to the house and possibly be a game-breaking punt returner. Well, he keeps fumbling the ball, and apparently he can't field punts either. So out of everyone that needs to go out on a high note in 2022, Bayless Jones needs to attempt to turn the tide before February. I think it's safe to say the Bears are going to be quite 
active in the offseason and they may not be done adding receivers. And if you're Jones, you don't want to go from being a third round pick to being buried at number five on the depth chart your second season. Uh, I had moderate hopes for Bayless Jones. The team seemed really jazzed about him. And I honestly didn't know much about the kid coming out of college. But I do know that if you're a 25 year old rookie, you probably aren't going to get two to three years to figure it out. So as much as fans may not like it, the team may get Jones involved even more in these last three games to figure out if he's salvageable. That's a great point, too, because we're now in this day and age where, I mean, there are no, there's not really loyalty, right, to, to even first round picks, like right. after a season. I mean, look at the Raiders, you know, parting ways with Leatherwood. Granted, that was a new regime coming in and everything, but I mean, we'll see because Poles is going to build the best roster to surround Justin Fields, and that's going to be important. And, you know, it, I, you know, like you said, I mean, this is going to be a big three games for Bayless down the stretch here because... I mean, we've seen like Kyler Gordon, for example, right? He had a rough start to his rookie year, but we've seen him really take steps forward. And he had his best game of the season last week against a really good Eagles offense. So, I mean, that's the progress that we've been wanting to see out of Bayless. I know he's obviously hasn't got as many opportunities, but again, it's been kind of the same mistakes. You know, fumbles, I know there are two different circumstances, like Eberflus mentioned, you know, yes, you have the muff punts on special teams, you have the one on offense, but you know, this is going to be really important for Bayless. He really needs to make a positive impact here moving forward, especially, you know, taking advantage of these receivers mm -hmm. that are out. Cause I, you know, I thought Claypool was going to play, but I mean, he didn't practice today. So we'll see, maybe he's out another week and this is an opportunity that, you know, Bayless gets, but I mean, didn't Simba Webster, I think he had more snaps yeah. on offense than Bayless, which is not a good look. This is supposed to be a perfect opportunity for Bayless Jones to showcase himself, and he's just not—he's not rising to the occasion right now. So that's that's concerning. It's not like the the Bears have two studs that are you know you know taking care of all the targets from the wide receiving core. This is a guy that has an opportunity where there's no one around him. Go make some plays, and unfortunately, it's just not working out. I mean, could things change? Sure, but it's not. Once again, he's not a 20 year old, he's 25. And so that you need to, you need to be able to turn that around quickly because I don't think they're going to be like, okay, we'll wait until you're 27 to see if you really get the game. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be able to, you gotta be able to play. If you're going to be drafted at that age, you should be able to contribute right away. And unfortunately, unfortunately uh, it, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. There are only so many roster spots for receivers. I mean, guys that are going to help Justin Fields. So Bayless, mm. I mean, you got a three-game audition here down the stretch, so yeah, let's see what you we'll got. See. Let it play out. Let it play out. Okay, John. So we're going to turn to this Saturday. It feels so weird that the Bears are playing on a Saturday. Yeah. It's, it's Christmas Eve, and the Bears are, yet again, massive underdogs to another Super Bowl contender. What's your message to Bears fans as we get ready to mix holidays and football? No clock for this one. Take your time. <sighs> so let's try to put everything in perspective here saturday christmas eve i don't know what your plans are maybe you're having family over maybe you're just relaxing on the couch wearing an ugly sweater and having some eggnog maybe you're working which sucks trust me i've been there uh but christmas eve is a big deal in my family in fact it's probably bigger than christmas day the family gets together and yes it's chaos yes it's loud yes there's a fist fight or two and this year we get an early gift with the Bears playing at noon or 1 p.m. for us East Coasters. But I ask you to take this opportunity to leisurely watch the game while enjoying everything around you. Holidays are a wonderful deodorant for the stink of a bad football team. Don't let this game turn you into a Grinch. Don't let this game steal your holiday spirit. The Bears haven't given us many gifts this year, but hopefully that's because they are stockpiling them for next year. And when we hit week 16 in 2023, maybe we're having a 
different conversation altogether. So once again, please do not get too emotional over Saturday's game. Unless they win. <laughs> we'll be back with more Buffon 55 right after this. This is Flus's first year here. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't know these players. And he's they're learning him and he's learning about them. And he's learning who he can trust and who he can't trust. Next year, he's going to know a lot more about these guys than he does this year. And the following year, even more. And he's going to know who he can trust and who, you know, who's like. Perfect example. Lawrence, awful practice player. Okay. <laughs> okay. But come Sunday, that's how bitch lit it up now. <laughs> and I mean, there, 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 there were practices where, you know, he came in with a shirt and underneath his, the shirt was, was his hands and handcuffs. And, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'm not lying now. And, <laughs> and he might have been out all night the night before. But come, come Sunday, <laughs> it's 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 a different <laughs> different matter. I think we got another commercial there. <laughs> Welcome back to Buffone Fifty Five. It's time for the segment we call Buffone's Basement. It's the holiday edition of Buffone's Basement. That's whenever Alyssa and I walk down the stairs and we see Aldo Gandia passed out on his recliner with those little tin cookies that you get at the Christmas time that you, they're just all over his chest and he's he's passed out eggnog just all over the floor. Aldo, how you doing, buddy? Happy holidays to you. <laughs> Thank you. Happy holidays. My uncle used to work at Maurice Linnell on Harlem Avenue in Norridge here in Chicago, and every Christmas he would hand out uh, these tin cup, uh, tin cans of uh, cookies, and then we learned later that he was stealing them, which is why he got fired from Maurice Linnell. <laughs> What a lovely holiday story, Aldo. That's uh, that's that's one for the grandkids. Make sure that, that. Make, make sure you don't make sure you don't forget about that one. Whenever you're all huddled around uh, huddled around the fire, talking about how your family member got fired for stealing cookies around Christmas time. That's, that's, that's what we do here. That's the spirit. <laughs> yeah, the real holiday spirit. Miles. Yeah. So, uh, Aldo, you and I did the, the post game show, or we we we. we did a lot we talked a lot about a lot after that game but <laughs> you took that loss a lot harder than i did and I, and I and for those who may not have been wa watching the post game show can you can you go into that a little bit because you made great points and i understood what you were saying i just couldn't bring myself like i don't know what was in me that i, I was not like throwing stuff i was angry about the packers game livid about the packers game uh but this one uh, i didn't have that same kind of fire why did why did you yeah, you know, uh, I asked myself that question, too, because we all want to beat the Packers. But this I took this defeat much, much worse because this is the Philadelphia Eagles and they're the best team in the NFL. And this team needs a moral victory that also is reflected also in the score of the game. And we have not had that. And that would have been just a great, great win against a, a team that will likely be in the Super Bowl, if not in the Super Bowl, definitely playing in the NFC Championship game. 
And, you know, there was that that battle between Fields and Hurts because I, I put up on Twitter uh, uh, a few days ago or a week ago that I think it's quite possible that Fields and Hurts could be the two premier quarterbacks in the NFC and that these guys are going to be doing battles against each other throughout the rest of the decade, and it's just going to be heaven. And so for this first matchup between those two quarterbacks, I was really – pulling for fields more so than the bears, you know, frankly, you know, as we all know, a lot of these bears players are not going to be around much longer. And uh, so I was just hoping that fields can get that rivalry uh, with Hertz off to a good start, start very disappointed afterwards. But uh, the following day I was feeling hopeful again, because they did play that excellent team. Very, very tough. Yeah. And I think that, if this was the start of a rivalry, then it was a good start. Now it wasn't, you know, it didn't work out in the bears favor, but Justin Fields held his own. Uh, he made some spectacular plays and the bears are right there. And it was a close five point game. So it's not like it's they didn't get trounced by 30 points. And like, Oh, I'm going to be a rivalry if they got smoked. Well, this is it. This is, this could be the, you know, the, the phase you got to go through. You, you mm-hmm. lose to the, you lose to Hertz and you lose to the better team, but next year could be a different story. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, Alyssa, how did you take the, the Philly loss? Because I, I was, I'm surprised at myself for the majority of the season that I've been so chill about a lot of this stuff. I don't know where this has come from. I didn't go on any medication. I'm not doing anything differently in my lifestyle. I'm just, I'm just being a lot more relaxed about this. And I think it's, I've come to terms with what this season was really going to be. Uh, how, did you, how did you handle that loss? Alyssa and I talk about your attitude quite often. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's crazy because just like you, John, like I get, you know, like you can get really into it and get emotional over some games. And I've been like that in the past, which is why it's been very weird over the last several weeks since like this seven game skid began, like Mm. where I've been like calm and just like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and I'm like, why? But like, I I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I know they got the quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. They got Fields, he's the guy, and now you got to build around him. And I kind of even think we all went into this season really knowing that 2022, they weren't going to be contending. It was going to be ugly. I don't know if we knew it was going to be this ugly, right? But, you know, trading some guys and getting getting rid of them and having this very young uh, roster that is going to be one of, that is one of the worst in the league. But, you know, I was very impressed with that they were able to hang in there with the Eagles, you know, and although made a great point, and I would love nothing more than for Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields for that battle to be just the premier of the NFC for the next several years. So, I mean, that, that that's a really fun and exciting thought. And kind of seeing both of them, like, obviously not on the field at the same time, but, like, you know, kind of going back and forth between them. And, you know, Hurts is the quarterback that Fields has been compared to most. He's the, he's the best comp. Um, and it's really exciting because, you know, when you look at where Hurts was last year compared to this year and you look at Justin Fields, I mean, there's reason to believe that maybe Fields is ahead of where Hurts was because you saw that Hurts had some talent last year mm-hmm. on the offensive line and he had Devontae Smith last year. Mm-hmm. They went out and traded for A.J. Brown. So, I mean, watching Fields and having him go out there and just to do what he did with like no help around him and the offensive line almost getting him killed. I mean, dude's a warrior. He, he's he's mm-hmm. a freak of nature. He's Superman. Like, I mean, I, I feel like Justin Fields – like I, because I keep using the words excite, the word exciting, which is weird because they've won three games this season. But I think that's the it's Justin weird, Fields yeah. effect. I think he's the like he's the reason why I've been calm. I think is because I know they got the guy, which is and, something and, I've never had. 
you know, you're right. It's because I think there's that calming presence, like, holy crap, we don't gotta we don't gotta go through the entire offseason talking about who can they trade yeah. for, who can they draft, or who's gonna be available in free agency to maybe start for the Bears next year, where we've had that conversation more often than not on this show and more often than not throughout in our entire lives to say, I wonder who they're gonna bring in at quarterback or what retread are they bringing in this year? Who's who's a guy that had a couple good years before and the Bears are gonna think, Oh yeah, that's our guy. Like that, I mean, that's I mean, that's basically been the cycle for a quite some time or they take their shot at a first rounder and it doesn't work out. See Rex Grossman, see uh, Caden McNown, see uh, Mr. Trubisky, And then you see all the retreads that they bring in the Chris Chandler's, the Nick Foles, the Andy Dalton's the, you, you, I mean, I can go on for an hour. We can Stop do an entire, we can do an entire <laughs> show about that. Remember Cordell Stewart, <laughs> bringing in Cordell Stewart was a great idea. So it's like, it's like Jason Campbell, I think started a few games for the Bears. So like, oh, yeah, you yeah. want to just keep going through, we can do an entire show on, you know, past no. Bears quarterbacks. But the fact is, matter we don't have to do that right now because where we there's the they have the guy at quarterback which is a calming presence and if they and if Jalen Hurts and uh and, and Justin Fields turn into this era's Brady and Manning in the NFC so be it bring it on let's do that and 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 the, then the comp that we keep talking about is the, the the steps and the progressions that Josh Allen took and that Jalen Hurts uh took now they're there's I mean they have something similar too that the Bills went out and got Stephon Diggs and the Eagles went out and got AJ Brown in addition to Devontae Smith so what are the Bears going to do? They they go out and they get Chase Claypool. Now I'm not sure that's as big as a move as you know AJ Brown or or, or Stephon Diggs, but they may not be done either. So we'll see we'll see what happens in the offseason. And I think that that's one of those that scary, exciting feeling where it's like we know this team is going to look drastically different in 2023, and they have they have you know almost unlimited funds right now. They can pick and choose who they want to bring in and what they want to attack in free agency. And they're going to have some draft capital on top of that, especially if they're at the number two position. So, and they, and they feel like trading back. So it's this, Oh my God, they got a good quarterback. What are they going to do now? Like what? Cause normally it's just like, okay, we got to go on and find a quarterback. Now it's just like, we don't need, we don't need a quarterback. Holy crap. What are we going to do about the defense? What are we going to do about the wide receivers? What are we going to do about the offensive line? We have the assets for it. Let's see what happens. And speaking, you know, speaking of assets, if they stay at the number two position, and I talked about this in the B55 segment, they could have some suitors at that number two position that said, hey, we need a quarterback this year, or we're a quarterback away. And so we'll give you this year's first round pick and a second round pick this year, and you move back from two to seven, move back to two to six or whatever. Uh, Aldo, I'll start with you, and then Alyssa, jump in. If you had the number two position, would you take a defensive player like Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, or would you say, uh, you know what, I could probably use an, a, another first-round pick next year and maybe an extra second this year. I'll move back five or six spots. Yeah, let me answer that second uh, question in just a second. I want to address what Ryan Crawford wrote here with, on the topic mm -hmm. of Justin Fields. He says, if anyone gets a chance, check out Darius Slade's podcast where he gives props to Fields. Well, it just so happens, Ryan, that I chose a 15-second clip from that uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great minds, great minds. <laughs> yeah. Listen to Darius Slade talk about Justin Fields. Everything I heard about Justin Fields is true. Yesterday is my first time playing him, seeing him in live action and not on the film. And when I say he is a real true highlight film, he's a highlight film. He's he's magnificent out there. I'm not gonna lie. And he went on and on and on and talked about specific plays, really complimented him on his toughness. He says, you know, we hit him hard. Hassan Riddick is strong. And then he goes, mm -hmm. 
I mean, really strong. Yeah. And he worked <laughs> hard. And when uh, Fields left the game, we were all like, all right, we don't need to spy him anymore and so forth. And then he comes back and he, and sure. he uh, uh, marched to field the, uh, the team downfield. So it was a tremendous compliment. Thanks, Ryan, for reminding me that I had that in the bin here. That's our quarterback, guys. That's our quarterback. Yeah. How about that? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> so, but to answer your question, yeah, you know, um, I still want to do some more stuttering on studying on those two picks, but I have been for uh, the last few weeks thinking that if we get the second overall, I truly believe that there are going to be a number of phone calls to the Chicago bears because they're going, you know, teams fall in love with quarterbacks when they need a quarterback. There's going to be a team that's going to be falling in love with Will Levis. That's Greg Gabriel's favorite quarterback coming out of this draft. He didn't have a great season at Kentucky, but he didn't have the supporting cast that Stroud and the other quarterbacks have had. So, uh, whether what whichever quarterback, some team is going to fall in love and make a ridiculous offer to Ryan Pose, and then you've just got to jump on it. And that ridiculous offer could include multiple number one picks for 2022 to 2020. Excuse me, 23. 24 and maybe even 25 and so you just can't say no to that for with a team that has so many holes and so there's the possibility of of not only just landing one superstar player but multiple superstar players and you still have fields under his rookie contract and you've had these other superstars behind him in terms of contract that's a foundation for a great effing football team and so i am all for trading that trading that pick and bypassing Carter or Anderson. Yeah, I know. I like you, although I haven't really started my draft uh, homework yet, but that's coming. So, I mean, at this point, just kind of like sitting back and kind of weighing both options. But again, if the price is sweet enough, hell yeah, I'm trading that pick. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like you said, there are so many holes. I mean, yes, the defensive line needs a lot of help, right? Whether you get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, like mm-hmm. they're, like both of those are huge needs. But at the same time, there are other needs on this team as well, especially on offense. So are you sweeten the pot? My goodness, multiple first round picks. I'm going to trade trade that back because like you said there are so many teams that talk themselves into a quarterback right into mm-hmm. trading extensive draft capital look at what the 49ers did um getting trey lance should have gotten justin fields but whatever you know i'm glad you did thank you that's fine um <laughs> thank you for that yeah. we'll yeah. forever be appreciative mm-hmm. but yeah so i mean i'm someone who i'm always going to want to i think especially with ryan poles knowing how he operates trade back and acquire additional draft capital and go out and get multiple uh surefire star players so i mean at, the, at this point, I mean, if the offer's sweet enough, I'm taking it. Yeah, and I, I've said, when we were talking about this a few weeks ago, I said it depends on what number you're trading back to. If, you, if you're trading back to, you know, six or seven, I think you can still get a, a surefire great player to, you know, plug a hole on day one. Uh, if it's someone that wants to move up from, like, 16, then you're going to need a king's ransom for that kind of thing. We're talking three first round picks to move up for that because then that'll 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 cover what you're giving up there and even then it depends on what you're going to attack with that pick because how many times and god willing how many times are you really going to be at the number two position and you're hoping that it's not often and how many times you're going to be in that position where you can get a guy of that kind of caliber uh and that's why i'd be willing to trade back to five six seven but i don't know if i i don't know if i want to trade back to you know 13, 14, 15, 16, unless you're getting an absolute ridiculous haul from that. Uh, so I, I think it does matter uh, who's trading up at, from what position. Um, and I think some of the current mock drafts have like 
like Indianapolis at six, possibly, uh, or Atlanta at seven. Both those teams pro- could probably use a quarterback. And, you know, in Indianapolis, most likely will have a new head coach going into next year who would probably like to pick his quarterback moving forward. So they could be a team that says, you know what, let's go up at two and get our guy if they truly love Stroud or Levis or whatever, uh, they, then they, they could potentially be a trading partner uh, in, in that process. So for me, it's I, I I'm be I'm fine moving back four or five spots if it means you get an extra high high pick, an extra first round pick, an extra maybe multiple second round picks or whatever, and then still take a guy in the top ten. Uh, I I'm just probably not willing to move back into the teens at this point because you don't you know you never know when you're going to be back there and God willing, you're not back there in a position where you're drafting number two again. Yes. So um, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, although we talked about this a little bit after the game and I don't know if we've had any time to, I've, I've had some time to stew on it, but, and Alyssa and I talked about it, the, the Bayless Jones situation. Is this a guy that's playing himself out of possible, not, not just out of like a starting position, but possibly uh, as a guy, because are you going to put up, are you going to put a 26 year old in the practice squad next year? Is that, is that, is that what you're going to do with this guy? Yeah. I mean, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world if he had another season of getting acclimated to the game, uh, knowing that of course you're probably not going to re-sign him when his contract is up. But, my hope is this with Valus Jones is that he, because by all accounts, the guy is a super guy, cool guy, you know, very professional, shows up to meetings in a suit and a briefcase. He's very well-spoken. He's very likable. All of the players saying he's just focused on getting better and better. And so how can you not hope for the best for any person like that? And so that's my hope for Valus Jones is that he's going to, you know, hopefully he will get more opportunities and he he will start to show more on the plus side. But I have no problem if he does get opportunities these last remaining three games and he does not play well. I have no problem of saying, listen, you're coming back next year because you're on the contract, but we will not tolerate this. You've got to be ready to rock and roll and camp and you will find yourself on the street uh, having lost an NFL career, the possibility of an NFL career, because we will drop you and you'll just be our third round bust. So, you know, I'd handle it with tough love, uh, with but underlining love, uh, because I want to give this guy every opportunity. And and Alyssa, I think that Matt Eberflus kind of said, I don't want to say said that, but he was very direct about that in the post-game press conference. I don't like it. And I think that that, and and that's about, he's he's not going to go into any more detail, but I can guarantee there was, a conversation that was held afterwards basically saying this is completely unacceptable and whatever you got to do to fix this, then you got Then you got to fix this. And I don't know what they're going to do. I, I don't know if a jugs machine is going to help you not fumble. I don't know what, I don't know if there's a, if there's a certain, you know, fumble coach you bring in because remember I'm old enough to remember when Tiki Barber was a fumbling machine and then they, he changed his grip and he started holding it high and tight and the dude didn't fumble ever again. Oh, well, figuratively speaking, but it's, it's like, is there something like that that could potentially fix this? Because right now he's not making any kind of dent in the receiving game. They're getting them some gadget plays, and, he, and, they, and we thought that he was going to be the full-time punt returner, and he can't do that any. He can't do that either. So how, how do you see this? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Darnell Mooney needs to have him over, let him use his jugs machine. <laughs> like, just let him get that working in the offseason. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, although I hit the nail on the head, like, I mean, he seems like a really great guy. So like, I mean, you want to root for him. You want him to do well, but you know, at some point the production needs to 
start showing up on the field. And, you know, the first season, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily cut him after this year, but again, next season, he needs to take that noticeable leap. He's going to have an entire off season, right. To, to, especially to further learn this offense. We'll see if Luke Getzi has a bigger role for him. I mean, Kind of going back to when Valus's first struggles, like in the punt return game, I mean, he was benched for two games, I believe. So, I mean, I'm really curious to see exactly how Matt Eberflus is going to handle that. We got three games left. I mean, you're down three receivers at this point, or possibly four, we'll see. Um, so, I mean, at this point, you really need all the bodies you can get, mm-hmm. but we'll see if whether they just kind of keep him on special teams, but or maybe he gets a couple of more opportunities. But again, like Simba Webster getting you know more snaps and offense just I mean, it speaks, speaks volumes and it's it's not good. Uh, but again, it's his first year. So, you know, I'm not giving up on him yet. But I mean, he's going to need, need a noticeable turnaround uh, this offseason to really get into gear. Yeah, John, uh, Alex Brown, uh, a former Chicago Bears player who uh, does a lot of work in the media, he said, you know, I'm refreshing my Twitter to see if Valus Jones and Cairo Santos have been cut because he expects that to happen. And I have to disagree with my man, Alex. Uh, great guy. I've met him a couple of times. There's just no way you're going to cut Valus Jones this season. I mean, unless he has done something egregiously wrong off the field, what has happened on the field would normally get you kicked off the field, but not with this team. Not, and not right. with injuries to the wide receiver position. And the same thing with Santos. You know, the $1.5 million you'd lose if you cut him, that's not that's pocket change. But are you going to bring in a, a kicker with three games left and tell him go out there and kick in the cold? You know, no, let Cairo do it. Yeah. Well, Michael yeah. Backley did a pretty good job when he was that near true. Uh, Santos for one. But the Lions have him now, so. Yeah. And uh, this is not a team that's angling for a high – playoff seed right now so it's not like you have to make like these on the fly like oh we need to we need to fix the kicker position right now because if not oh no we might go what three and 14 as opposed to four and 12 like what are we doing for whatever there's 17 games now i can't do math i've been doing the same math my entire life and now i gotta go from 16 to 17 it's a very difficult uh transition for me Um, (laughs) it it happened to me too when the league went from 12 games to 14 games but that was about 30 (laughs) years before you guys were born so i said you must have been through a whirlwind when they stopped using leather helmets oh Uh, my goodness (laughs) hold on Do you you have a leather helmet, Otto? Oh my goodness! Oh my God, he's got it. When they when they introduced the face mask and the forward pass, I'm sure you had no idea what the hell was going on the first time you saw that. Whenever you went to my high school football helmet, whenever you went to the Nickelodeon and saw a picture show of the galloping ghost in all of his glory. Uh, I don't know where I'm pulling these metaphors from or these uh, things, by the way. Uh, I'm Keep them coming. Boy. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that getting back to Bayless Jones, the much more interesting topic uh, is the fact that he's going to have, like like Alyssa said, he's going to have a, a three-game audition here. Uh, and let's not forget that the, this guy started his professional career hurt. He didn't get a whole lot of time in the beginning of the season. He was injured and then kind of got eased into things and it didn't work out well. Uh, so, I'm not, I don't think that he necessarily needs to be cut, uh, but to label him a bust and basically be a special teamer. And when I say special teamer, I mean, like, I don't know, a gunner or something like that. See, if he's able to do that, uh, then fine. If he is able to fix the yips where he can actually field a punt, then great. Uh, if I'm him, 
I'm spending most of the offseason catching punts and making sure that I have a role on this team rather than being the expendable fifth receiver that could get cut if they need to bring in another guy. If someone goes down on the D-line and they have to go sign someone off the practice squad and then they just cut Bayless Jones. If you were, if you, you got to make yourself non-replaceable and so if you're if you're if you're the guy that is like oh i'm the punt returner i have to do that i'm the best at that then you're going to have a place on the team uh you don't want to make yourself expendable at any point and if you're a second if you're a second year third round pick who happens to be 26 years old and is not making any progress then you start thinking of is this is this a guy that we can drop for something else so uh once again with every like everything else with the bears time's gonna tell we're gonna we gotta let we gotta let that play out uh so you know, let's let's go a little short term. We're talking long term. Let's go short term. They do have a game this weekend, so let's talk about the game. Not necessarily the game on the field, but let's talk about what we're going to be doing because it's going to be Christmas Eve. So I I'm going to be a very chill about this. I'm going to be relaxing. I'm going to be back home uh, in the Pittsburgh area, out in the woods, probably with terrible cell phone service, awful Wi-Fi. I'm not going to have to you know deal with any of this stuff. I'll probably stay off of Twitter for most of the day, God willing. Uh, so how how are you guys going to be spending this game, Alyssa? You probably have to write like 25 articles after this thing. So, but, yeah. but, I'm like uh, I'm working. <laughs> so yeah, let's get let's get the let's get the buzzkill out of the way. Alyssa, what are you going to be doing? And then we'll go to Aldo, who probably just has his shelves stocked to the gills with stuff for for, uh, for Saturday. That's right. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely be working during this game. Also, trying to sit back and relax and enjoy. So, you know, I normally go really hard when it comes to you know writing and churning out articles. Maybe I take a step back. Right, it is the holidays, so I'll get my game content and then. I think after that, I'm going to take a step back and enjoy because like you said, John, you know, I'm going to be at my dad's. Uh, his birthday is actually the day before. So like we're going to, you know, we're Italian. So we celebrate uh, mm. on Christmas Eve. So, you know, Same we're going to do that. So mm. I'm going to get I'm going to get the game stuff out of the way and then just relax and, you know, maybe do a couple posts on Christmas Day. But I want to try to just enjoy a game. And do the bare minimum, uh, no pun intended. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're you're definitely a writer. You you work that in there. I, yeah, I, 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 I can tell. Aldo, what are you gonna you're gonna you gonna you're gonna make it through the game? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna make it through the game. <laughs> it's, it's at one or noon. Noon for him. I'm gonna I'm gonna pop into the Barfly Tailgate Show. They're having a special Christmas show where a lot of the barroom uh, people are going to pop in either via video or live, and so I'm gonna pop in for a little while and wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Then I'll watch the game uh, and then I'll run over uh, to my uh, sister-in-law's house. She hosts Christmas Eve every year and uh, and I love going over there because she cooks tremendously. And uh, so I'll just chill. Hopefully it'll be a good game uh, because if the Bears lose badly, then it seems like everyone in the family blames me for it because I do these podcasts. <laughs> this is your fault. <laughs> it's you all your me? fault. Don't complain. Bayless fumbles. It's your fault. Yeah. Although you put together a really crappy team, you know that. (laughs) I'm sorry. Right. You got the quarterback. You're good. Fix it, Aldo. What the hell? Exactly. (laughs) So let's see. All right. So the last thing I want to do before we wrap things up is, Aldo. I'm not sure. I'm gonna put you on the spot. I don't know if you have the spaceship graphic available, but we have. We we have. We have the schedule. I listen. In the open, I said the Bears are not a three-win team, and uh, it looks like that's that's becoming the. We really need to change that open. Yeah, we gotta change that. Well, you know, I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna own it. I was wrong, and like like I said on the post-game show, if we're just now catching on to the fact that I'm wrong about everything, then that's more of an indictment on you because I've been wrong about everything the last six years, and you're just now catching on. So anyway, um, let's look at the last three games. We got the Bills, the Lions, and the Vikings. Are 
can the Bears play Grinch to any of these teams? Because the Bills, they're kind of angling for, you know, the, the, their positioning in the playoff seating. The Lions are hanging on for dear life. They have some slim playoff chances. And, of course, the the, the Vikings, they're going to win the division, but where are they going to stand in the seating? So can the Bears screw up anyone's season? I'm not going to say they're going to screw up the Bills' season. And, the, you know, the Lions are playing pretty well right now, and that's on the road. Uh, maybe the Vikings? I don't know. They 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 – they did come back one of the, the best comeback of all time against the Colts, but you know, why were you down 33, nothing to begin with? So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Aldo start with you. Can they play Grinch to any of those teams? Yeah, the lions, absolutely. The lions, you know, because the lions are the lions and Don Burr is in our chat room. He's the, our resident uh, lions <laughs> troll. I love him. I love him interesting. I'll say that. Uh, he's, he's getting uh, pushed around in the bar room. The, uh, the bouncers are just turning their, their head the other way <laughs> as he's getting Ultra pushed <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I really do believe they're capable of beating uh, the, the, the two teams on that schedule. The Vikings will probably be resting uh, players. And so if the Bears elect to play Justin Fields and the other starters in that game, which I'll be at, and hopefully it'll be the balmy 30 degrees. Um, so that, yeah, so that's quite possible. And, and, and I truly believe they're, it's, they're capable of going to Detroit and upsetting the Lions. Now, the Lions are playing their best ball of the season. They're really starting to gel. But I, I, I need to see more from this Lions team before I'm a believer. They've got a stacked roster. I've complimented them since before mm-hmm. the season started. That, that This roster is loaded with talent. And, and Goff is playing – Perhaps his best football since his – was he MVP for the Rams that one season or, or close to – he received MVP votes in the 2019 season. So, um, you know, they got a good squad, but I, I do believe the, the Bears have it in them as long as they don't quit on, on the coach, and there's no signs of that happening. Mm-hmm. Alyssa, they got a win in them? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm saying no at this point. But, I mean, at the same time, the Bears have shown that they can – play with anybody and that there's always a chance that they can win they're they're keeping things close with really good teams and I think of all of those final three I think the Lions scare me more than anybody because they're the only ones that actually need to fight for a playoff spot at this point the other two they're they're locked in so I mean at this point I mean the Lions are playing their best ball at this time of the year and this is going to be in Detroit and the, the the Bears Lions games have always been a little bit closer at Ford Field so I mean I don't know. We'll see. I think the Vikings is probably the closest one because if they're resting their starters, then okay, I will say there's one win left on there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they're still, you know, competing for, I don't know, home field, I'm not home field advantage, but like, I don't know. Well, yeah. Yeah, they won't. No, they, they're, they're they be resting they, their starters. Who are we they kidding? They probably <laughs> won't have anything to play for. No, and they won't. So it, it would be a very yeah. Bears thing to do, though, is to win that last week and then they end yeah. up picking like three or four in the draft <laughs> and then it throws things off in a meaningless game that the Vikings are resting their starters. The Bears go in and, and we're, we're probably going to have that conversation. Are, are you going to, are you ready for them to win this game and, you know, have that, you know, good one to go out on? But, oh crap now they're picking fourth <laughs> is that is that is that a conversation that we're gonna have that's for a later time we're, we're gonna we're getting ahead of ourselves let's if they listen if they beat the bills then then we're not we're not even talking about this then. right they go out, uh, they, quick question for you guys so you get to the last week let's say you've lost against the bills obviously and the lions and so now the vikings have chosen to rest their starters do you then just say to Justin, take this week off? We know it would be great for you to get some valued snaps, but we don't we don't want you out there. We don't want to risk injury and so forth. 
w- would you be okay with them sitting fields for that final game of the season? Mm, I, you, I, you're, you, I don't think I you're going to convince anyone in that locker room that you're doing it to rest fields. Yeah. I think that you're, if you rest, if you rest fields, and I'm for those people listening to the audio, I'm using the finger quote quotes. If you rest <laughs> fields, um, you're saying we got to lose this game. <laughs> we got to lose this game to preserve the number two pick. Uh, and, and that's basically what you'd be doing. And listen, I know we've talked about this before. We don't know how many of these guys are actually going to be under contract next year. Anyway, how many of these guys are actually going to be on the bears roster next year? Anyway, uh, we talked about wanting to get one for the core players of this team uh, after the show, after the game last week, I'm like, who are the core players? Who, who's the, who's the core veterans that we're trying to keep invested. It's like Eddie Jackson, and Jalen Johnson. Is that, I mean, there's, that is is that the core players we're talking about right now and then on like the most uh, who's the most the most tenured guy on offense i think is cody whitehair who might not be on the team either next year so it's it's i get that you want to have a good atmosphere in the locker room you want to have a good culture but if you're not even sure who's going to be here next year outside of the quarterback and maybe two guys on defense three guys on defense uh and the secondary is taken care of on defense but as far as the linebackers and d-line you don't know who's going to be there don't worry about the culture so much as, as far unless you're and then worry more about progressing the talent, progressing the scheme. And if that results in a win, then it results in a win. I'm not going to I'm not going to come on here and, you know, bitch that the Bears won. I'm like, oh, crap, they won. Like, I'm not I'm not I don't have that in me. I honestly don't. And, I, and I, I'm not that's not disparaging anyone who takes that tank mentality. I get it. I 100% get it. He's like, just lose out and get the number two pick. I completely understand that. And you are well within your rights as a fan to feel that way. I have a hard time doing that. I can't watch a Bears game and be like, come on, guys, lose. Come on, guys. I just I, I just can't do it. Now, and after the fact, I might be happy about it. Like in two or three weeks after the fact, I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty glad they lost that game because now they're going to get the number two pick. In the moment, I can't do it. It's just, it's just, it's just different, difficult for me to do that. So we'll see. I, for my, for my own benefit, uh, I, I, you would think that I'd want them to win two games there because I sound like an idiot on the open saying they're not a three win team. Well, they, they kind of are. So I'll gladly, I'll gladly own that. That's fine. <laughs> I, like I said, I'm wrong about everything. So if you're going to give me crap, if you're going to give me crap about being wrong about the bears record, like, Hey man, you, you've missed a slew of crap. I've been wrong about in my life. So come on, let's, 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 let's yeah, you're, you're not going to insult me. Like, that, 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 that's not, that's not going to do much to me because I, <laughs> I'm more wrong than I am right. And that's, that's kind of my shtick now. I'm wrong about stuff. I don't try to be wrong, but I am. So that's, that's just how it works out. Now. Uh, any, uh, let's, oh, uh, as we wrap things up, what do we got going on uh, in, in the bar room this week? And uh, I know we got probably an altered holiday schedule of some sort. We do indeed. Uh, tomorrow live at 2 p.m. It's uh, cross cross down cross talk. Our baseball show. Vinny Parisi will talk about the latest and there's big signings in Chicago baseball. So he'll go through those. Uh, I'm not sure who his guest is, but he he lands some really excellent guests for that show. So that's live at 2 p.m. And then at 6 p.m. It is the Mac and Reed show. Those guys will do their holiday show and talk about some of uh, the latest uh, Chicago Bears. And then on Saturday, it will be our only coverage of Bears football. And it is the Barfly tailgate show before the show and uh, before the game. And they will uh, have a, a Christmas extravaganza with a lot of barroom people on board uh, to at least say hi and, and talk a lot of football. And then we'll be back with our regular programming on Monday. Well, a parting shots. What do you got? <laughs> parting shots. Um, again, going to try to do the bare minimum this week. I've actually had the last couple of days off uh, because it was, 
mandatory um you know big corporate <laughs> stuff and all you know mandatory uh, for a little bit yeah so uh, yeah. just been, been relaxing there. been there yeah yeah <laughs> so but still gonna have plenty of coverage you know leading up to i'm gonna kind of you know pull it back a little bit like on christmas eve and on christmas i still have to i mean i never want to leave the site empty so we're gonna have plenty of content on christmas maybe not as much as usual because let's be real you know people might want to you know are going to be on their phones and they're at the family if they want to kind of, you know, stay out of some mm-hmm. conversation. So we got to give the people some stuff to read. So we will have that on Ferris Bar. So spoken like a spoken like a true digital journalist in today's world where it's like, <laughs> what if someone's scrolling through their phone and they're looking for a bear story? I got to be that story. And it's just like, you know, you got to be plugged in 24 seven. It's that times have changed. And I spent 10 years in that. And I'm just kind of glad that I don't have to do that anymore. Worrying about what people were scrolling through on, on Thanksgiving and Christmas and all these other holidays. It's like, well, if they're looking for a story, why, why can't it be my story? Done with that. Got the, you, you're a machine, Alyssa. I, I can't believe that you get all this stuff on there. You're you're just churning stuff out like crazy. I I could never do it. So God willing that you have a little bit of time to rest on during the during the holidays because you certainly deserve that. And so Indeed. as we as we fade this out, I just want to thank everyone in the chat room, everyone who's listened to the show, watched this show. Uh, have a great holiday season. I know it's not easy to keep talking about a three and eleven team, and yet you guys come back every week. I, I can't tell you how much that means to me. It means to everybody in the Barroom Network. It's just incredible that the community we have built here, where we can keep talking about this team, even as bad as things are, as 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 you know, inconsequential as some of these things are. We come back every week and we keep talking about them. And if the and if you guys weren't here, we wouldn't be here. So I just want to thank every one of you, especially in the during the holiday season. Uh, I appreciate it. It just it blows my mind that people are still listening to the show six years after the fact. So it, it means so much to me, and I'm sure it means uh, a lot to everyone at the barroom. So thank you very much. And that will do it for this edition of Buffon 55. For Aldo Gandhi and Alyssa Barbieri, I'm John Buffon. Have a great holiday, everybody. We'll see you next time. Happy holidays. This defense sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, please tell me that picked that up. <laughs>